Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? All right. Sort of okay. That's what I'm getting. It's good to be here. We're continuing our sermon series on some of our fundamental beliefs in the church. These are things that we stand for. The Apostle Creed has been spoken, has, has been shared, has been agreed upon for well, really almost thousand, over a thousand years as the basic understanding and stance of the church. Now, it doesn't cover every belief, but it has those basic understandings that we have and we hold together that we can stand for. There's a reason we stand when we say the Apostles' Creed. This is what we stand for. This is what we believe. And today we're talking about, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, and I believe in the communion of saints. Not too long ago, we, as you all know, several of us joined with Team World Vision to run a marathon. And when Liz Mendoza came and talked to Michelle and I, I told her that I've run some because I'm in the, in the military and I'm used to running. Nothing like marathons. But she said, you know, David, if you've run some, you should run the full marathon. And my dad used to have a saying about me. He says, David, your alligator ma- mouth outdoes your tadpole butt. <laughs> and my alligator mouth said, yeah, I can do the full marathon, no problem. I, I'm, a, I'm a runner, you know, I've run some, and I can handle this. And, and when, I, when I started training, that was the case. Four miles, no problem. Six miles, it's like, oh, marathons are easy. Eight miles, when are we going to have a challenge? And then we finally got to 10 miles. And we were running out at uh, the Brushy Creek Trail, running from the YMCA, and I, I'd ran out, and I was coming back, and I was at Champions Park, and I quit. I was like, I am not doing this anymore. Uh, if you're a runner, you know that in certain parts of your training, you just hit these walls. And I'm like, I quit. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm miserable. I do not want to spend my Saturday mornings running on this stupid trail anymore. But as I walked the rest of it, because I walked about two-thirds of the rest of that day, I started to think, you know, David, you made a commitment. You're on a team. You have a goal in mind. You have an eye on the prize which is to make sure that there is no one in this world that doesn't have access to clean water. And you made a commitment to that. You made a commitment to run a marathon. And I thought about my teammates that had all gathered together and made that commitment to say, we're going to run this half marathon and this marathon together. And I'm like, I cannot let them down. And then when I was running the marathon, it was incredibly difficult because I didn't do all the training. I only got up to about 14 miles and you're supposed to run 20 miles before you run it. And, and so I was, I was pretty miserable. But there was a guy named Mark who was on our team. And there were several times I was like, Mark, you just go ahead. Fully intent. Like if he left, I was just going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he knew that. And he's like, because he had run several marathons and he would not leave me. No matter how many times I was like, just go on, you know, just, just, get, just leave me alone. I'll be fine. I'll make it someday before they turn out the lights. But he stayed with me the whole time. This is a metaphor for our faith. Our faith is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And when we're starting out, it seems easy sometimes because we're excited. We're excited because we're, we're, we're excited what call Jesus has put on our hearts. We're excited because we're full of faith. And then we hit that first hill. And maybe we lose a loved one. Or maybe we start to have doubt about what we believe or maybe we, we have a conflict with someone in the church. Or we lose our job or we lose a friendship and all of a sudden it's not as easy to follow Jesus anymore. 
And it's in those moments we need our team. It's in those moments we need people to run alongside us for the race. Because this is not easy. Following Jesus, it's easy to say yes. It's easy to give your life to Christ. And it is the best decision you can ever possibly make. But it's not easy to live the life that Jesus would have you live. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be difficult times. And that is when you need your brothers and sisters in the church. Sometimes it hurts. It's messy to be a part of a family. I'm sure I drive half of you crazy some days and half of the other of you crazy the other days. <laughs> That's the only amen I get. No, I'm just kidding. We are people. We're going to step on each other's toes. But, but family doesn't leave one another just when they get frustrated. Family doesn't leave one another when they get upset. It's messy. Being in the church is messy. And yet it is so incredibly important because if you try to do this on your own, if you try to run the marathon of faith by yourself, it's likely that you're going to quit. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, Paul uses the example of a race to talk about the life of faith. This is what he says. So then, this is chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let us also run the race that is laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. What incredible imagery. You do not have to do this alone. You have a great cloud of witnesses that are right there alongside of you. Let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes upon Jesus, the faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and sat down at the right side of God's throne. Now let's look at that. When we run a race, there's all these people alongside the race, especially for a marathon, who are cheering you on. I was overwhelmed. I was shocked by how many people would give up a Sunday morning and show up just to cheer us on. I mean, I don't remember how many. It was thousands of people who decided for that day, their mission in life was to make these runners feel like someone cared for them. I don't know who it was, and, and some people were, were, you'd pass them at one point, and they would move to later in the race, and there was this one lady with gummy bears. And I had gummy bears, and that was such a delight in the middle of my race, that at least if I'm going to go through the misery of running 26 miles, that I got a couple gummy bears <laughs> along the way. That's our faith. When we talk about this great cloud of witnesses, these people, look Look around. These are part of that great cloud of witnesses that are here to encourage you, to challenge you. Just what Josh said, that that song, you have called me higher. We don't want you to stay the same. If your faith is the same as the day that you said yes for God, you've got some work to do. Well, the truth is all of us have work to do because we have never, ever fully made it. There's always another little bit of the race. That's why it's a marathon, not a sprint. There's not a place where you can say, okay, I'm done. I can relax. I've made it in God. It's all good. And we need this great cloud of witnesses. But the author of Hebrews is not just talking about the people gathered in this room. He's talking about your church family that exists all over the world. All the different denominations that follow Jesus are part of that great cloud of witnesses. But it also includes all the people who have gone before. All those loved ones who follow Jesus are still watching over you are still loving you, still hoping for you, still encouraging you. I truly believe we're going to talk about this more in a moment. 
but we, we say we believe in the communion of the saints. That means we still have access to our loved ones that have gone before, not in the same way. No one can tell us exactly how that works out, but the great cloud of witnesses of all Christians who have come before are behind you, encouraging you, yelling you, saying, you can do it. You can finish this race, even when it gets difficult. This scripture also talks about keeping our eyes. It says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the face pioneer and perfecter. When we're running this race of faith, we have to fix our eyes on the ultimate goal, which is Jesus. The church calls you to center your life around Jesus, not yourself, not your preferences, not what you think the church should be, not even what I think the church should be, but what Jesus thinks the church should be. That's the prize. Just like I had a goal in mind, there's no way that I would have finished that marathon if I hadn't had that prize of running for clean water. I had to have a goal in mind, and, and I have all the best intentions since I've ran that marathon to get up in the morning and run, and I have not done it. Amen, Amen. yeah, right? Because I don't have that prize. I don't have that in mind. That's where the team comes in. That's where this group and community comes in so that you can have a community that encourages you. Because it's hard to wake up early and read your Bible. It's hard to pray. It's hard to say, you know, I'm going to turn off the radio for a few minutes in my car and spend some time with God. I'm going to take some lunch time and read my Bible. And maybe, maybe some other people will come alongside me and read with me. It's hard to set aside that time and say, I'm going to put my phone down and not check social media for a little bit and just spend some quiet time with God. You need people to encourage you. And that's what the church is. So we say, I believe in the holy Catholic church. Some people struggle with this line in the creed because they don't really understand what it it means. Because when we think about the holy Catholic church, we think about the Roman Catholic church, right? And the reason is the word Catholic means universal. And for a long time in the West, the only church that existed was the Roman Catholic church. But what What we're talking about here is all of the bodies of believers. We're talking about the Catholics. We're talking about the Methodists. We're talking about the Lutherans, the non-denominations, the Church of Christ. Whoever professes a faith in Christ is part of the Holy Catholic Universal Church. So we're talking about all the believers. Now, we may separate ourselves, but we are part of Christ's body. This is Christ's church. It doesn't matter if what's your denomination, but you're a part of one church together in the unity and the fellowship of believers. And we're holy. Now that's a word that feels a little bit uncomfortable when I say that. I don't want to be holy. I want to do what David wants to do. I want to spend my time on the things I want to do. But when we're holy, we're saying we're going to set aside our own will and our own desires and our own thoughts and we're going to put, replace them with God's will and God's desires and God's heart for our life. We are called to be holy as your holy Father, or your Father in heaven is holy. It's incredibly important that the church be holy, that the church be a light. It's so easy to see the darkness, but we are called to be a light, to love deeply, to convict the world of sin, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We are a city on a hill, a light to the nations. We are set apart. Now, that does not mean that does not mean that we are better than other people. 
It does not mean that we ignore the problems of the world, that we exclude ourselves, that we hide, but it does mean that we are different. And if you don't see in your life that you're different from people who don't follow Jesus, then you've got some work to do. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way. Your life should look different than non-believers because you have Jesus and you should love more deeply. You should be kinder. You should be more generous. You should sin less. We are holy. So what is the church? Scripture uses five different phrases about what the church is. Uh, Go back one. There we go. So the church is ecclesia. This is a Greek word referred to the church. Now this is actually a Greek political term, and it means the assembly. The church is the assembly. Now it means something a little bit more in the church. It's not just about like political governance, but it means we have to gather together. I'm not saying you can't have an individual faith. You should. You should be personally and individually devoted to God, but you cannot do this alone. You will stunt your growth. So we're in assembly. The second word, I don't even know how to say it, curiacon, uh, is the, that we belong to the Lord. That's a word that's used for the church, that we belong to the Lord, the curiacon, those who belong to Jesus. It's, it's kind of like referring to if there was a Lord in his court, that's what the church is. We are sitting before the throne of God, worshiping Jesus. Again, when we talk about worship, it's not about our personal choice. We're going to work really hard to have really good musicians, and we're going to work really hard to preach good sermons, and we're going to work really hard to do things well, but that's not the point of worship. The point of worship is you turning your hearts to God because this is the Lord's church. We belong to the Lord. Another thing that the church is refer, uh, referred to as the, the koinonia, I really need to learn how to pronounce these Greek words. The koinonia, which means the fellowship, the community, that we are part of God's community together, which means that we bear one another's burdens. Galatians 5, that's what it tells us, that if there's someone struggling in the church, that we go alongside them when someone is hurting, but we also have fun together. We eat each other's houses. Our kids play together. I really would like to see, when you see someone you don't know sitting in one of these seats, invite them to lunch after worship. Let's get to know each other. That's why we're having this potluck. That's why we're saying on this fifth Sundays we're going to do something different so that we can spend time together. You know, a family that plays together stays together, right? We're a family. We need to play together. That's why we have girlfriends at Rockbridge for the ladies to get together. That's why we have things like the, the top golf event yesterday so we can get to know each other and truly be family. We are a community of believers. So we are a community We're the assembly, we belong to the Lord, and we are the community. The next thing is we are the body of Christ. Now think about this. When Jesus leaves, Jesus was the physical embodiment of God. God, Jesus was God with skin on. You could touch him, you could feel him. He was actually here. He ascends into heaven, and then he sends the Holy Spirit, and then what does he call the church? The body of Christ. This is... A great metaphor, but it is also incredibly literal. Can we show that next picture? This picture is really interesting because uh, in an earthquake, this, you may not be able to see it really well, but the, the statue of Jesus' hands fell off. 
And they thought about, well, should we, should we put this, the hands back on? But they thought it was an incredible representation to show that Jesus has no hands. In fact, Teresa Villa says this, Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Because you have the Holy Spirit with inside you, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. That is not a metaphor. That is a reality. People need to touch. People need to feel. People need hugs. People need to be loved. And that's our job. Each of you are uniquely gifted. Each of you have been designed by God with a purpose. You have gifts that I don't have. You have things that you do well. You have things that God has called you to do. You are the body of Christ. You are needed. I want to pick this picture. <laughs> Jesus needs you. Now, Jesus probably doesn't actually. God could do it without us, but God chooses for you and I be the hands and feet of Christ. We'll go back two slides. And the last thing that the church is, is the communion of saints. That great cloud of witnesses. That, that term always gives me goosebumps when I hear it. To think about all the things that those who have followed Jesus from the first disciples through the first church throughout 2,000 years until today, that we are part of this great cloud of witnesses all the people who have loved on you, who have poured into you, the reason that you are sitting here today is I almost guarantee for every single person you can think of a few people in your life who have specifically loved you and guided you, mentored you, told you about Jesus. Those are the great cloud of witnesses. And when we say saints, we don't mean this in the Catholic sense of these holy people, these special heroes of the faith. We mean every single believer is a saint. We are a communion of the saints, and we are all needed for what God wants to do. So what does this mean for you? Like I said, you cannot have a full faith in Jesus if you try to do it on your own. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir a little bit. If you're here, I think you understand that a little bit. But I'm asking you to dive even more into it. If you've not committed to being a part of community, to really being yourself, in this family to do so. Find a community, find a Bible study, be a part of the worship team, find a life group, and open yourself up and really be yourself. Really be in community. Love those people. We're kind of like a big family here. And so the people you see next to you, those are like your cousins, right? When you find your life group, those are like your brothers and sisters who are going to challenge you. They're going to hold you accountable to who God wants you to be. They're going to read scripture with you. They're going to love you in the difficult times, and you're going to love them when they're struggling. You cannot just come to worship. You cannot just do this alone. You need those people to be a part of the faith together. So we need to be a part of the assembly. We need to belong to Jesus. We need to be a part of the community. 
We need to be the body of Christ. And we need to be a part of the communion of saints. Could you imagine if we really believe these things, we really live them out, what kind of church we would have, what kind of impact we would have on our neighborhoods, what kind of excitement there would be every time because I'd be so excited to come to church because I get to see my brothers and sisters. You get excited when you see your family, right? Well, most of them probably. (laughs) I hope you're excited when you get to come to worship, when you get to be a part of a life group, that it's not something that's a burden, like, oh man, I got to go to church today, or oh man, I got to go to my Bible study or life group. I hope it's you're excited that you're saying, I want to be there because I want to see the people that I love and care for. I want to worship God, and I want to be a part of this family. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. So may you be a church that truly desires to be a family together. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it says this. So let's, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let's throw off any baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, our faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and sat down at the right side of God's throne. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit.